You ready to get in the Word today? Hallelujah. Go to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to continue talking about revival. Coming up on September 21st, let's put it on our hearts. You need to first establish this. Why do we exist as a church? Number one, the Lord visited Miss Carolyn 20 years ago, in September 20 years ago, and said there's hurting people outside these walls. Love them for me. That's why. What are we called to do for 51 years as a ministry? Dr. Savell's mandate on his life is to talk people into winning. So what are we called to do as a church? Make winners in life. How do we do it? We do it through, through an experience with God. We equip people with the word, and then we engage them to influence the world around us. But who are we as a church? We are a house of prayer. We are a house of faith. We are a house of prayer. We are a place of glory, and we are a people influence. Can you, can you repeat that with me? Say, say we, are we are a house of faith. House of faith. We are a house of prayer. We are a place of glory, and we are a people of influence. That's who we are. If this is your home church, that's who you are. And so as being a house of prayer, we should be a church that prays. And so it's a place in my heart for us to, to um, on starting on September 21st, on Monday nights, to, to come together from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. There, we won't have child care. There's not other things going on. This is strictly going to be praying for one hour. Um, specifically as we start and as we begin on September 21st, we'll be praying over our nation, praying over the elections and, and doing all that. And I haven't asked you yet, Pastor Carla, but I'd love for you to be a part of that first night and help direct us that first night on September 21st. And... and um, and, and so anyway, and just encourage you, uh, we will still do, still do some corporate prayer on Wednesday night. But I really sense in my heart as a pastor, as we're stepping in and stepping into revival, that, you know, what I've seen throughout history is, and I, for lack of a better term, revival, there, you know, revival comes at a price. And I'm not, like I said, it's not begging or earning something with God. And, and if you just cut yourself enough that God's going to show up. It's not, please hear me. But there's a price to pay. What is it? What is it? What do, when I say a price to pay, I mean there's an exchange. You see, sometimes if you want greater things in your life, there's going to be a price to pay. There's a price to pay. There's an exchange. Maybe, maybe there's an exchange with time. Maybe there's an exchange with finances. Maybe there's an exchange with, with, with what you hold valuable in your life. Sometimes to want something greater, you have to give up something else. Sometimes if you want something more, you have to give up the things that's keeping back more. Do, do you hear what I'm saying when I say a price to pay? Revival. Thank you, Father. You know, Moses made this statement. We preached on this a lot, Dr. Savell. I mean, 2017, 18, 19, you know, in that phrase, show me your glory. Moses recognized, ultimately, he's wanting to go into this promised land. He's wanting to go into greater. And, and yet he felt within himself that he was incapable of doing it on his own. And, and that's why he said, Lord... You know, was, I know it's, it's you going with us that makes us distinguished. I, I know that, that, 
It's, it's your presence that's with me. If, you, if you're not with me, then I don't want to go. And, and, he, and he, what does he say? Show me your glory. What was he saying? I need to see you in this. Because I can't do this in myself. So what was Moses saying? He was saying, in myself, I have a deficit. But I know when I have you, I don't have a deficit. Last week, I, I talked about the fire should never go out. I talked about us, that we are the temple of the living God, right? You. Man, just place your, just pat yourself. I'm the temple of the living God, and the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of me. And we, we saw in the Old Testament how in Exodus 27 and Leviticus chapter 6, it talked about how the high priests were to never let that fire go out. But see, sometimes we can get busy. Sometimes life can, can, can just happen. Storms of life can happen. And it can cause us to get so busy with so many things that we forget about the fire that's down on the inside of us. Let's look at this in Matthew 6 and get into something new. Hallelujah. Did you read these scriptures last week? It says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body would be full of light. Remember last week we talked about how in their understanding of light, it had to do with fire. They don't have, didn't have under, our understanding of lights that we know. So when they saw a light, they could see two things. They could see the sun or they could see a flame. So if the light that's in you, that word light that's in you could refer to your understanding being illuminated in your mind. It could mean fire. It could be something that, that magnifies something. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single... Your whole body would be full of light. So if my eye is single, if my eye is focusing on one thing, then my whole body will be filled with light. So there's going to be a connection between what I'm looking at, what I'm pursuing, and what I'm focusing on that's determined the level of light I walk in. The level of fire that's operating in my life. So, so you and I have something to do with the fire that's burning in our lives. And it all has to do with, is your eye single or is your eye evil? Is your eye single or is your eye divided? Verse 23, but if your eye is evil, your whole body shall be filled with darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man, now listen, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let me read it this way. No man can worship two masters. No man can pursue two masters. For either he'll hate one and he'll love the other, or else he'll be consecrated to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Meaning, so now we see, if my eye's single, I'll be full of light. Now we're, now we're seeing that, look, you can't go two directions at the same time. 
You can't be looking and pursuing and having two lords and, and be able to receive the benefits of what those masters have to offer. Meaning, I can't pursue what I want and what God wants at the same time. Does that make sense? So it's me consecrating myself to what God wants in my life that's going to cause and bring success. And then right after this, he tells us this. He says, therefore, I say to you, don't take thought for your life. Down in verse uh, 31, he says, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where we shall be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles, or you could say the world is seeking after. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things, but seek first, but seek first, but seek first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, right? All these other things shall come unto you, right? All these other things shall be come unto you. So what is he saying? If you're pursuing the right thing, I don't have to worry about the other things. Do you understand that? Because you can't, I can't be pursuing the things and pursuing God and expect to get both. Because why? And then he says, this is what the rest of the world is doing. But you know what? I want to, I want to tell you and give you a little hint. You're not the rest of the world. You are a child of God. You are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. So therefore, you have a different pursuit. You have a different set of standards. You have a different life than the rest of the world has. Why? Because why? Because my eye needs to be single and I have one master. And therefore, because my eye is single and I have one master, I have one thing I pursue. So today I want to talk about one pursuit. One pursuit. Go to Psalms 27. Psalms 27. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for revival. Verse 1. The Lord is my light. Say that, say that with me. The Lord is my light. Lord is my light. Say this. The Lord is my fire. The Lord is my fire. He, and, uh, he, you know, he didn't say the Lord is, is a light. He says the Lord is my light. This is personal. Meaning this is, this is how he's choosing to live his life. This is how he's choosing to direct his life in the situation that he's in. The Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Meaning, if the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation, who am I going to fear? If the Lord is where I find my strength, if the Lord is the one who revives me, then who am I going to be afraid of? Because he's my light. He's my salvation. He's my strength. And he says, when the wicked, which means when people that have negative intentions, 
Then he says, mine enemies. And then he says, my foes. Three different things. He says, my, he says the wicked, mine enemy, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Now, then he says, then a host, then a host. That's, that's an innumerable amount of people that should come against, camp against me. He says, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. Now, before I go further in this, I, I want to establish a couple things, a little bit more about light. Because see, him not being afraid of his enemy, him not being afraid of his foes, him not being afraid of the wicked, him not being concerned about the host, him not being concerned about a, about a, 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 a war coming against him, a battle that's raging against him, everything had to do with this fact that the Lord is my light, my strength, and my salvation. Now, David knew the stories of his ancestors. He knew the stories of Moses. He wrote about Moses' life. He, he wrote about and, and knew that this light that he was referring to was the same light, the same fire, maybe the same fire that, that Moses was on the backside of the desert and that same fire that got Moses' attention, that, that caused Moses to turn aside. And when Moses turned aside, a voice came out of a, out of a bush that did not burn. Maybe it was the same fire that he saw that same light that he saw that when the plagues of Egypt and there was darkness in Egypt, that he said, even though there was darkness in Egypt, right side out of Egypt, there was Goshen and there was light there. Maybe David understood this. He, he knew something about the fact that his God is supernatural, that his God can do impossible things. See, he had this understanding of light, maybe this light and this fire that David had this concept or this understanding or this faith in had to do with this fire that, 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 that protected them, that the Israelites from, from Pharaoh's army. Maybe it was a, something that that fire or the cloud that led them by day and the fire by night. Maybe it was those things, but David had faith in this light. He had faith in this fire. Hold your place in Psalms 27 and let's go to Psalms uh, 139. This light. Hallelujah. Now, when we talk about this, you need to understand this light and fire is on the inside of you as a believer. Jesus, John the Baptist said of Jesus that he's coming. There's one coming. And he said, he's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. Say fire. fire. Say it again, fire. fire. Woo, fire. <laughs> now, David's writing this. He says, where could I go from your spirit? Remember, baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. So there's a connection between the spirit of God and the fire of God. He says, where could I go from your spirit or where could I flee from your presence? If I send up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me. Maybe you could even say this, your light leads me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the night shall be light about me, 
Yea, the darkness hides not from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. This is David writing, the same one that said, the Lord is my light. He's saying, look, if I go to the lower parts of the earth, God's there. If I go to the other parts of the sea, God is there. If I have this darkness that's surrounding me and the only light I have is nighttime, he goes, even there, even there. And it says, he says that, there's, that darkness and light are both the same to God. Why? Because wherever God is, there's light. Meaning God doesn't know the difference between darkness and light because there's no darkness in him. It said that both are alike to you, God. And so, and, and David is saying, the Lord is my light. He realized no matter if I, what I'm facing, that light, that presence is there. It doesn't matter where I go. I can't get away from your spirit. Go to Isaiah. Hold your place still in Psalm 27. Go to Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you for revival. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 17. Now, before I read this, understand that the God's people were in bondage to the Assyrians. And this is a messianic prophecy, really talking about God bringing freedom to those that have been bound by the enemy. And it says this in verse 17, it says, and the light of Israel shall be for a fire and his holy one for a flame and it shall burn and devour his thorns, his briars in one day. What do I mean by that? He's saying this, he's saying, now let me look at, let's, I can read the scripture this way. The holy one is a flame. See, flame is one thing, it's like a match, but yet one match can set a fire. So the holy one, he's talking about Jesus and he's talking about the Messiah and he's saying the holy one is the flame. And the Holy One is going to set the children of Israel on fire. And it says this fire is going to devour what the enemy has done. See, the Messiah lit the fire. And who did he light? He lit you. And that fire is going to burn off the the horns, the briars, the things that kept the children of Israel back. Then later on, later in this chapter, he talks about other things and and we get, get down to verse 27 and it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken from off his shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and thy yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. (laughs) The anointing destroys. What was the anointing? The anointing had to do with the fire. So it was this flame that would set a fire that would bring freedom. And in that same day, his burden, the burden of what? The Assyrian shall be taken off thy neck and that the yoke from off your shoulder and that yoke would be destroyed because of the anointing, the anointing. See, the spirit of God is the anointing of God. The fire of God is the anointing of God. 
And so when David says, the Lord is my light, he's saying, the Lord is anointed. And because the Lord is anointed, I am strong. Because the Lord is anointed, because of that light, I have strength and I have salvation. Now let's go back to Psalms 27. Do you see that this morning? Do you see that? That the spirit of God, the fire of God, the light of God is the anointing of God. And this is what David was writing about when he had an enemy surrounding him. It didn't matter what he was facing. He realized there was an anointing available and there's an anointing available right here, right now for you. And the church is a place that should be on fire that has the anointing for you, for me and for the world right now. And he says this in verse four, he says, one thing have I desired. One thing have I desired and that will I pursue one thing. Remember, if your eye is single, your whole body will be filled with light. You can't serve two masters. So David is saying, I can't serve my trouble and serve God at the same time. I can't serve my pressure and serve God at the same time. I can't focus on my enemy and focus on God at the same time. He's saying, because of this, because the Lord's my light and because he's my salvation, there's one desire that I have. One desire. Say one desire. One One thing have I desired. One thing that I want. And I've desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after, meaning this is what I'm going after and this is what I'm pursuing. I'm pursuing. I I don't know about you, but I want to be a continual pursuer of his presence. I have pursued what Justin wanted for too long in my life. And I'm telling you, there's so many things trying to get your attention so many things that the enemy wants you to run after and pursue. But as believers, as the church, one thing. One thing. And that will I seek after. One thing that will I, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, meaning the most important thing to me is being immersed in his presence. The most important thing is what he wants, not what I want, what he wants, not what I think the rest of the world needs, not what I think, but no, what he wants, what he wants, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all All the days of my life, all the days of my life, all the days of my life. What I hear David saying is everything I have need of is found in him. And as I was reading this, I now now, here, let me say, he says this, he says, one thing have I desired and that will I seek after that I'll dwell in the house of all the days of my life. And then he says, What? To behold the beauty of the Lord. 
The word beauty there means brightness. It means light. But, but hear this. He went in to see one thing. But when he went in to see one thing, he could see many things. Now get, get a hold of this for a moment. Just, just bear with me. He, he had one pursuit. One pursuit. One thing have I desired and that will I seek after. But then he says, and I'll behold the beauty of the Lord. That There was one thing I was seeking after, but when I got there, I saw many things. I'm telling you, when you make him the one thing, he will open your eyes up to all the impossibilities. I mean, he will open your eyes to all the possibilities or what's available. Prosperity for your life, healing for your body, strength in your marriage, the calling upon your life. I'm telling you, when you choose to make him the main thing, he will cause you to see beautiful things. And we're so wanting to see many things when if we just get to the place where we see the one thing, you will behold things far beyond what you could ask, think, dream, or imagine. Oh, Father, may we make you the one thing. And as we make you the one thing, we will see your beauty. What do the angels see when they look at his throne? Hallelujah. See, this is what I believe Kenneth Hagin was talking about as consecration. <clears throat> Setting yourself apart for the one thing, the, the only thing that matters. The eternal thing. And it's out of this, it's out of this, revival happens. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And he says, and to inquire in his temple. To hear from him. He wants you to hear from him. God's not hiding himself from you. He just wants you to stop serving other masters. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Go to John 8. John 8, verse 12. It says, Then spoke Jesus again, again unto them. Again, again. He spoke again unto them. Meaning this wasn't the first time he said it. He says, I am the light of the world. What is he saying? He goes, I am the torch. What is he saying? He's saying what Isaiah was saying. He's saying, I'm the one flame. The holy, the holy one, the flame. I am the light of the world. 
He that followeth me. He that followeth me. The word followeth me here. Hallelujah. Vic, come here for a moment. Jesus, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me. Put your, put your arm here. Now, now, now here, this isn't, this isn't, now just follow me, Vic. Now, this is how we look at follow. I am the light of the world. He that follows me. This, this word followeth is not about follow the leader. This word followeth is, is to be connected to. He that, who is intensely connected to, followeth. That TH there means this is continual. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me, who is intensely connected to me. See, this is, this is about one thing. This is about one thing. Thank you, Vic. He that follows me, he that cleaves steadfastly to me, cleaves steadfastly to me, says he shall not walk in darkness. So... Darkness really comes down to who I'm walking with. What you're walking with. What you're pursuing. I am the light of the world. He that cleaves steadfastly to me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light of life. That's the God. You know, ultimately what the the anointing is. It's the life of God coming on someone that changes things. The anointing of God is the life of God and invading something to turn darkness to light. That's what the anointing is. When we talk about the anointing being in a place, on a person, it's the life of God on something. So when we talk about that he that follows him, clings close to them, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So what I hear, as you're cleaving steadfastly to me, you will walk in and experience that light, that fire that brings the anointing. Let's go to John 12. John 12. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Sowing seeds of revival. Mm. Thank you, Father. I, I just see spiritually that each one of you are in different places in your walk with God. And no matter where you are, whether it's myself, Rick, Eric, next week, uh, uh, Joe is going to be ministering, and Dr. Savell. And what we're going to be doing is just fanning the flames. You know, we have a fireplace, those billows, and, and, just, and just, just kind of stoking those coals, just blowing on those coals. And you might not be able to see it yet. You might not feel it yet, but you are in revival. Okay, whether whether we see it or happen, you are in revival. And why? Because I'm blowing on the coals of the fire that's happened in your life in the past. And I'm telling you, the fire in your life in the future is far greater than what you've experienced in the past. 
So let's look at John chapter 12. Verse 35 in the Amplified, it says, So Jesus said to them, You will have the light or fire only a little while longer. So walk while you have the light. Pursue. What is this in the Amplified? It says, Keep on living by it. Keep on living by it. Don't let go of the light. Don't be overcome by what the world's saying, what the world's throwing at you. Don't be overcome by what you see in the media. What is he saying? He's saying, walk in the light. Keep on living by it so that darkness may not overtake and overcome you. He who walks about in the dark does not know where he's going. He's drifting. If you're walking in darkness, you do not know where you're going. And definitely, if you're looking at the news and you're looking at the world and you're looking at the media, they do not know where they are going. They do not know where they are going. So stop following them. Stop following them. I'm telling you, stop watching the view. They do not know where they're going. They do not know where they're going. Why? Because they have no clue what light is. So, so Jesus says, keep on walking in the light. Keep on walking in the light. Keep on walking in the light. Verse 36, while you have the light, let me, let me say this. It said, if you're walking, you're drifting. What does drifting mean? It means you're slowly getting off course. So if I'm feeding on people that are walking in the dark, then what's going to happen is I'm going to slowly get off course because of the current that they have. There's a current of the world and there's a current in the river of God. Which one do you want to be in? Walk. Verse 36 says, while you have the light, believe in the light. Have faith in it, hold to it, rely on it, that you may become sons of the light and be filled with light. (laughs) While you have the light, believe in the light. Have faith in the greater one that's on the inside of you. Have faith in God and have faith in his word. While you have the light, believe in the light, have faith in it, hold to it, rely on it. What? That you may become sons of the light. Meaning as I'm holding onto this light is going to call me to be sons of light. And I like the sound of that. Hallelujah. Sons of fire. Hallelujah. Like that. Sons of light. Hallelujah. That you become sons of light and be filled with light, filled with light. Say filled with light. Hallelujah. And filled with light, Jesus said these things, and then he went away and hid himself from them and was lost to their view. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's not let go of the light. Let's be filled with light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Everything I need is found in him. Everything I have need of is found in him. Let me close with this. I'm not going to be able to elaborate for the sake of time. Thank you, Father. Philippians chapter 3. I might be able to expound on this more in the second service. But 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. I mean, this wasn't the first time he said this to them. He says, beware of dogs. And he's not talking about the ones that bark. He's talking about legalistic people. Religious people. He says, beware of dogs. And then he says, beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit. He's really talking about we're the circumcised. We, we, we are set apart for God. Which worship God in spirit. Meaning, meaning we're set apart for God. Don't listen to those legalistic religious people. That are trying to get you to come up under the law. But he says, why? Because we are circumcised. We are circum- Our heart is circumcised. We, why? Because we worship God in the spirit. Meaning, I'm walking in the light. I'm going after the light. I'm walking in the spirit. I'm worshiping in the spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus. And he says, and have no confidence in the flesh. 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 He says, though I might have confidence in the flesh... If other men thinking that he hath, whether of I'm, that he might trust in the flesh, I have more. Meaning, even though they might have more confidence in their flesh, I still have more. He's saying, I don't play. What is he saying? He goes, I worship God in spirit. Meaning, my life is centered after God. I'm not focusing on where I came from. He goes on, and for a sake of time, he goes on and says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, counting the law. I was blameless. I sat at the feet of, of Gamaliel. I did all these things, and, and yet I count all those things, but nothing. Why? Because I put no confidence in my flesh. Why? Why? Because his pursuit was no longer about him. But what does he say? I worship God in spirit. Meaning, I'm, I'm seeking God first. One thing have I desired, and that will see, I seek after. I'm not seeking after, you know, let, needing people to see my pedigree, where I came from. Verse 8 says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all these things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. You could say it this way, yet doubtless, and I count all these things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of the anointing. Christ was not Jesus' last name. Christ was his description. I, I, I forget all, I don't care about any of those things. Those things don't matter to me anymore. The only thing I want to know is the knowledge of the anointing. The knowledge of the anointing. The anointed, anointing of Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Meaning I let go of all those natural things. I stopped walking and following those things so that I might win Christ. So that I might gain the anointing. Meaning the anointing was more important than anything else. Verse 9, and be found in him. 
I put all those things behind me, those worldly things behind me that I might be found in him. In the anointing, not having my own righteousness, which is the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the faith in the anointing, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. I'll close with this, that I may know him, that I may know him, that I may know the anointing and the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of the sufferings being made conformant to his death. The Amplified says this, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving, seeing, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Meaning, I don't care about anything else. I have one purpose. Paul is saying, I have one determined purpose, and that is to know him, the anointed one in his anointing. My determined purpose. And my prayer is that our determined purpose would be to know him, intimately acquainted with him. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are our light and our salvation. Mm. We put no, no more put confidence in our flesh and what we can do. No longer put confidence in putting our faith in what other people can do. But, Father, we bring ourselves under this one thing the anointing that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things should be added unto us Lord that that our eye would be single that we would not serve two masters but we'd have one pursuit one 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 desire in our lives and that would be to pursue after you hallelujah stand to your feet Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Father, we hope this message today, I believe this message today pricked your heart. One, not to keep pursuing the wrong things. It pricked your heart that you would no longer have two masters that you would try to follow. It would prick your heart that you'd have one desire. You prick your heart that you would no longer put confidence in the flesh. But that you'd be a worshiper of him.
and make a decision. And for me, this really is a daily decision. To consecrate your life to the most important things. And as you consecrate your life to the important things, you can kind of be like Paul, like none of the other stuff matters anymore. Favorite TV shows or the things that may consume your time, but all of a sudden it becomes just wanting to be in his presence, wanting to be in his word. Wanting to be used by him. Wanting to hear his voice. That a daily decision that we would make is that we would consecrate ourselves to lives in the word, lives of worship, lives of prayer. Because I believe as you let go of the natural things, even the fear of letting go of the natural things. I believe that Jesus' words are true. And his words were, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other things would be added unto me. So ultimately, a decision of consecration is to step into a life without limits. A life of all things being added to you. A life of walking fearless. I don't know about you, but I want that life. How about you? Just lift your hands. And just out of your own heart, in your own words, you consecrate your life to him you know the things in your life that have been weights you know the things that have been things that have weighed you down and burdened you down you know those things release those things to him today Just heard by the Spirit, there's there's some things that you've been, this may be for more than one person, there's some things that you've been dabbling in. And it looks attractive, it looks it looks good it it sounds good just like things that we hear in the news and the media there's a lot of things that could sound good but what the lord told me is that that if you if your spiritual eyes could be open you'd be able to see the ugliness or you'd see the the spirit that's involved in that thing 
And he, he just says that, that today you need to let go of that. Because it's going to destroy other things in your life. And by the Spirit of God, you know who you are. All he's saying is, you have to stop going that direction. And go his direction. It's not just a matter of asking forgiveness, but it's about, it's about letting those things go. And he said, if you could really see hmm, what you're connected to in the spirit, you would, you would let go of it immediately. Scott had heard just Kenneth Hagin was telling a story and he was talking about, I believe it was Kenneth Hagin, and he talked about how, you know, someone was offended or there was something that was going on and, 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 and it was kind of like the person just stayed in bed and stayed in bed and stayed in bed and just coddled this feeling and coddled that emotional thing that they were, they were in. And, 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 the, and he actually spoke to that person. He said, you could just see what you were in bed with. And he's talking about the demonic spirit that was attached to this thing. He goes, if you really saw the, the, the spiritual realm and what the, happens in the, in the spiritual, he goes, there's some things that you, you would not, you would, you're like, I don't want any part of that. So what is it? What I hear him saying is, is consecrate yourself. Bring, bring yourself over because over there there's life and there's freedom. Mm. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your work that's happening by your spirit today. And I speak freedom over every person in this place. I thank you for a life that speaks and declares and shouts revival. I thank you that you're bringing us higher in the things of God. You're bringing us higher in prosperity. You're bringing us higher in life. You're bringing us higher in increase. I thank you that 2020, I thank you is a year that God has opened a new door and bring about supernatural increase like never before. So Father, I thank you as we consecrate ourselves to your purpose, your word, your plan, your presence. I thank you that we're stepping into greater levels of increase that we never thought possible. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.